I too welcome you to First Baptist Church Monterey. I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome you warmly in the name of Jesus, our Savior. We are studying through the book of Ephesians, and we, we looked at this text last week, and, but there's so much here. We're going to uh, look a bit more at the whole idea of this word gift, the grace given to each of us, and uh, we'll see from another couple of texts in Scripture how, how we're supposed to think about our own giftedness in the church. Let's pray. Dear Father, we pray that you'd be glorified today, and I pray that uh, as we look at your word, you would feed us as you alone can. Amen. I was thinking of uh, the great words of Isaiah. We just sang that song, well, what could I do? What, you know, what can I do in response to God? And Isaiah has this awesome vision, you might recall, in Isaiah chapter 6. It's, uh, you know, some of the best, best literature in the Hebrew Bible. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful statement of who is God and what's happening all around God. He's awesome and big, bigger than we can imagine, more glorious and wonderful. And uh, it says, verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Just think of that. Here's the Lord God speaking, expressing a a need. What can you say? But he's expressing a need, the one who meets all his own needs. He's fully self-sufficient. That's the nature of God. But he's inviting people to help him. And it's also interesting there, the whole the Trinity coming through in the Hebrew, right? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Uh, and then he, Isaiah appropriate, appropriately responds, and I, you've heard this if you've been in the Bible, you've heard this many times. Then I said, what did he say? Here am I, send me. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to do your will. And uh, one of the parallel texts that we'll look at today is Romans 12, and I wanted to point that out. That's where I got my title today, too. Romans 12, verse 11, says this, do not be slothful in zeal. I just love that, that phrase right there, slothful in zeal. (laughs) <laughs> do not be slothful in zeal. How does that work? How could you ever be slothful in zeal? I guess you could sort of have a feeling of zeal and say, well, I'll get to it t- tomorrow, you know, M- maybe some other time. I'm a procrastinator. I feel a sense of excitement, but I'm not sure I really want to start serving the Lord now, you know. Change can happen next week. After all, there's, as the proverb says, there's a lion in the street. You know, it's scary out there. Change is scary. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. And then the, the last phrase, serve the Lord. Andre prayed about our missionaries who have just retired out of Ethiopia. And did you catch that phrase? He said they're, they're still serving the Lord. I love that phrase. It almost has an old feel to it, an old churchy feel. 
Are they serving the Lord? Do you serve the Lord? Well, here it's right from the Holy Scripture itself. That, and that, this word serve is based on the Greek word to be a slave. Serve in, in, a, in a slave uh, humility and dedication to the Lord. Here we are to serve the Lord. So our text in Ephesians, uh, some of you weren't here last week. Uh, I preached through this paragraph, uh, you know, just sort of touching the high points again. Uh, but let me point out the text. I'm picking it up in verse 7. Paul says to all the people in Ephesus, the church, but grace was given to each one of us. You know, we're saved by, he says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by, for by grace. There's, there's a few of us here. We can participate. It's like, you know, every once in a while, wake up and think, oh, wait a minute, he's asking a question. <laughs> for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so he says here in verse 7, 4, 7, but grace was given to each one of us. As I pointed out last week, uh, I love the ESV. That's the version I use. But here I wish they had stuck a little closer to the word order in Greek because the very first word in verse 7 is one. It's kind of awkward. Other versions have to each one of us grace has been given. Because he's just been talking about all this oneness, right? The, the seven layers of oneness that we looked at um, where he says, eager to maintain up, up in... Uh, let, me read, let me read four, uh, one through. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then there's seven things he lists as one. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And then he says, to each one of us, this grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he takes us to this image, this, this kind of old world, interesting image of the conquering king. A king has been out leading the forces of his soldiers, and he's won a tremendous battle. He's, he's won the war, essentially. And he's... he's bringing back the wealth of the conquered nation. And he comes back. He's coming back in. And it's, it's Jesus Christ who has won the victory uh, against all his enemies on, on earth. And as he's coming back, he's got wealth, and he gives gifts to people around him. He gives gifts to men. That's what this image is in verses 8 and following. Therefore it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who has also ascended far above all the heavens 
that he might fill all things. And now he talks about the gifts that he's given. This returning king with all the booty, the wealth that he's conquered from uh, the defeated nations. He's got money. He gives gifts to his subjects as he comes back. And that's what he says. Christ has given gifts to men. So verse 11, he says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So there's a couple of parallel passages I want to look at uh, that talk about this fact of giftedness. One is in Romans. If you have a Bible, turn with me back to Romans 12. I already quoted from it. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is uh, a fantastic uh, chapter. Uh, If you want to know how to behave in all Christian ethics, Romans 12 is a fantastic place to start. But we're going to look at verses 3 through 8 together. Uh, Again, the theme of gifts. The the emphasis of Ephesians 4 is that to each and every one of you, God has given a gift. And I kind of think of it this way. You know, like here's the, the... what do you call those things? Uh, galaxies. Thank <laughs> you. I'm blanking on it. You know, you're a little speck in the galaxy. Here, here you are. And, and, but that's the, the point. There's one God, Father of all. But to each one of us, He has given a gift. You, if you are a believer, you are part of Christ's church, you have been given a gift by Jesus Christ. That's the emphasis of Ephesians 4. He doesn't leave anyone out. You have received a gift. It's not just the professional class. It's not the pastors whom we install. We, we hope that they have gifts. But Paul clearly teaches, the Holy Spirit clearly teaches to each one of us, and when each part is doing its part properly, then the body is built up. So this is carried on in for example, Romans 3, excuse me, Romans 12, 3 through, 3 through 8. Let me read it here. For by the grace given to me, again, doesn't that plug into what we've already said? He viewed his gift as a grace from God. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, so let's start at the top of this text. What is the first issue he talks about? He says, I want you to think of yourself, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Sober judgment. (laughs) You know, when we look in the mirror, what do we see? God calls us to have sober judgment of who we actually are. Now, think of it this way. He's saying that one impediment, one obstacle that keeps you from using the gift that God has given you in the way that God wants you to use it is that you're not thinking soberly about yourself. You're you're not having sober judgment. And I've always kind of thought of that as this, that, well, somebody says, well, I'm, I'm too good. You know, I'm too important uh, to do that menial task. You know, uh, let somebody else do that menial task. What is a menial task? You fill in the blank. I don't want to name anything as menial. <laughs> but I don't want to do that because I'm too important. And I, I think that's kind of it, but I think it, let's, let's look at it this way more, like from an, an American context. The reason I don't serve the Lord, let us say, is that Just my life is too important to me, my time. I enjoy what I do, and quite frankly, I don't have time to commit to fulfilling my gift in the body of Christ because I'm I'm distracted. I've got got TV to watch. I've got this and that. I've got my hobbies to do. I am just consumed by me, my life. I have to fulfill my needs. And, and Paul would say, you're, you're thinking too highly of yourself. God has gifted you, and he wants you to use the gift for his glory. It seems like the error here to be uh, avoided is to think that our lives are so important that God, God understands that we don't serve him because we're totally distracted by our own idolatry. No, no, that's obviously not the case. God calls us to repent of putting us first and put Him first to serve the Lord. And and then I think it's interesting the next phrase too in verse 3 of Romans 12, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Faith in God, clearly, not faith in yourself. We should have faith that when God calls us to serve, He'll do something good through our feeble efforts. You know, we can't change people's inner spiritual lives, no matter who we are, no matter what we do. 
but we can serve the Lord, and God can use us to change people's inner spiritual lives, to bring them the gospel, uh, to encourage them to grow. Uh, God is powerful, and He can do that. Do we have faith? We, in other words, I think He's getting at the idea that, well, I can't really accomplish anything. I'm impotent. I'm not very powerful. I'm not very talented. So I'll let somebody else serve. They're more talented. They have more ability than me. So, you know, I don't have enough faith in God that my gift is useful and helpful in His big plan, in His big project to build His church. I think Paul says we, we need to serve according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Have trust in God. And then verse 4, he really wants us to see that we are members of the body of Christ. Every one of us. Notice what he says again, verse 4. This is Romans 12, 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Of course, it's like a metaphor. He says, look at your body. You know, your fingers do something different than your eyes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Go on right through the list. Every part of our body has a different function, and they're, they're all very important. We're all members of this body. We all have a different function. And God is the one who assigns these gifts. He's the one who decides, you know, your faithfulness to your gift is what is at issue here. Not whether or not it's more popular or more well-known. He says, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Uh, this, is, this is important. It's kind of interesting because at the center of all of reality is God, this loving being who's all-wise, the invisible, immortal, perfect God who's the creator of heaven and earth. He created you. He brought you here today to hear this message. Uh, he's, that's what makes him God. He's sovereign over all things. Uh, we looked in Men's Breakfast at First Timothy uh, he, calls, he calls him the only sovereign, which in the, the Greek word there is the only power. He's the only powerful one, ultimately. Only God has power. Uh, and this God has given us all a gift, and these gifts differ, and he wants us to use them, and we have trust and confidence that he will work through the gift he's given us to perform the work that he plans us to do. And then Paul has this, um, this little list of gifts here, uh, verse 6 and following, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. The main teaching here is you've got a gift, use it. And then he goes through, as I said, some of these gifts, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 
I'm just summing all of that up where he's just saying, you've got a gift, use that gift. God has given it to you for his purpose and for his kingdom. Use the gift. Okay, now let's look at another passage of Scripture. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Another, we move out of Paul and go into the other, another apostle. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 through 11. And this is what Peter says. The end of all things is at hand. Now, let's pause there for a minute. Think about what he just said. The end of all things is at hand. Now, you know, the Greek word here is the word telos, which means, what does that mean? Goal, purpose, the the thing for which we've been striving, God's purpose. It's more like the image of, of racers, you know, striving for that finish line. The, the end of this race is at hand. They're, all, they're almost there, right? Almost crossing the finish line. It was, it's the reason they entered the race, to get to this place. And that's what Peter is saying. The end of all things is at hand. You know, any minute, <laughs> we could reach the end. The purpose for which God created, it will be coming very, very soon. So what does he say in light of this reality, if the end of all things is at hand? The, it's very interesting here, I think. Verse 8 and following, um, 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded. That's kind of an echo of Romans 12, Right? Be, think of yourself with a sober mind. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. You know, since the time is very short, we can't be frivolous about what we're doing. We need to uh, be sober-minded, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins... That's a beautiful expression, expression here from Peter. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then the gift part. As each has received a gift. There's that theme again. All believers have received a gift. You are gifted for God's purpose, for His end. As each have received a gift, use it. <laughs> You know, there's that theme again. You've got a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And then uh, he goes through some specifics. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So I've, I've just put these up on, on the screen to uh, emphasize them again. All things are about to reach their goal. So how should we live in light of that? What should we do? What should your life be characterized with? 
Well, again, just repeating the text exactly. Be self-controlled and sober-minded. You know, know, I heard that country song yesterday. If tomorrow never comes. You know that song? That's not a bad song. That's not quite the tune. (laughs) But it's, uh, you know, tell, tell, tell the people around you that you love them. Tell your husband or wife that you love them because tomorrow may not come. You may not have the opportunity uh, to express your love to the people around you. Well, that's kind of what Peter's saying here. All things are about to end. They're about ready to reach their goal. So let's think soberly. Keep loving one another. Show hospitality to one another. Use your gift to serve one another as each has received a gift. And then here he kind of has two categories of gifts. There's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. Uh, See as in verse 11 again. Whoever speaks as the one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Just two categories. The speaking gifts, the teaching gifts, um, and that can be counseling, one-on-one teaching. It can be evangelism as you talk to your uh, family and friends around you. you. You do it in the name of the Lord, through the power of the Lord. He says, as one who speaks the oracles of God, I'm speaking to you the word of God. You know, the end is almost here. I don't have time to be frivolous here. I don't have time to waste time. Uh, I've got to get to the truth here because tomorrow may not come. Uh, And so therefore, use your gift. The body of Christ is designed to be dependent on your gift for God's glory. Use your gift. So the two categories, and I think it's kind of, let's look quickly at Acts chapter 6. This passage is uh, about the first deacons, we call them. Acts chapter 6. Um, it's an interesting little uh, event, and it kind of holds, upholds these sort of two categories of gifts in the body of Christ. He says, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. It's kind of interesting. They had racial tension in the very first church. Could this be true? Yes, it is true. Um, Human beings tend to be sort of tribal and racially biased, and this was a problem in the early church. And the twelve, this is talking about the uh, apostles here, the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. If you're looking for early parts of church government, this is a presentation of an early church government. The elders say, you, you guys do this work and you come up with uh, the men here, seven men, you pick them out, 
and then will appoint them. So it's kind of a combination of elder rule and the church body uh, working as well, congregational together, and, and uh, whom we will appoint to this duty. Verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands, they laid their hands on them. Kind of like what we did this morning in our uh, installation service. And then verse 7, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Uh, Sort of a side note there, but I love that last phrase. A great many of the priests. These are talking about the people who persecuted Jesus Christ. Um, the, the great, you know, hundreds of priests in Jerusalem. Many of them came to faith in Jesus Christ uh, at this time, which is sort of beautiful. But my point is this, right? Acts 6 upholds that kind of two, two parts to the giftedness. There's those that are teaching and preaching. That's their main giftedness. And then there's those that kind of support that ministry through practical uh, means, as the disciples said, uh, helping to care for the, the widows. All right, back to our Peter passage, just summing it up. It is, he says, all of this is in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. First uh, Peter 4, 7 through 11, just to, to hear the word of God very end there, in order that in everything God may be glorified. That's what we want. Not the people with the gifts. We don't glorify them. They're working for the glory of God. We point all things to God's glory. What is glory? It's the shining brightness of how wonderful He is. We, we're, we come to worship Him. We don't worship individuals. We don't worship the people who have the gifts that lead us to God. No, everything is done for the glory of God in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I just want to pause then and think about this text. Here's Peter writing almost 2,000 years ago that, that God's goal, I, we can see the finish line from here, you know, St- almost there. Was he wrong? No, he wasn't wrong. We can't say he was wrong. Uh, But is it closer today than it was for Peter? You know, I guess, logically, uh, of course, it's closer. We've had 2,000 years. Uh, when, When is the end of all things? When is God's goal? When is the final eschatology? eschatological revelation of Jesus Christ going to come. We don't know. The Bible presents it as imminent. Maybe today. uh, Maybe now. But we don't know, but we're supposed to live in light of it. It can come any time. That's how we are to 
be cognizant and be sober-minded. Okay, now I want to close with this. Here's this little girl, gifted, right? That's our, our Peter passage that we are gifted, use our gifts. So this is what I want to ask. How to discover your gift? Because that's what a lot of people will say after hearing a sermon like this. And again, I just want to tell you the emphasis of Paul is you have a gift, use it. And so a very, and the, the Bible never gives us a test to determine what is your spiritual gift. Uh, no. So I think it's just a very, very practical step-by-step uh, process to discover your own spiritual gift. First of all, I think a lot of times it starts with desire. God will give you some desire to serve Him in, in a special way, a desire to serve Him in some way. You'll have an idea like, well, I think I'd like that. M- maybe this is something I'd like to do, just this you know, in- inkling of, of desire. And then next, I think this is so important, and this is you know, true in my life, God will give you an opportunity to serve. The church will have a particular need, uh, and you'll find out about this particular need, and you'll have this sense of, you know, I, I've kind of thought maybe that's something I'd like to try, and that the church is saying, we, need, we want this to be done. The leaders of the church are saying, this is something we think God wants us to do. And so you'll say, I, let me try it. Let me, you know, sign up and give it a swing. Um, the church will ask you to serve in a particular way. And then thirdly, you will have some giftedness in using your gift. And I mean by that is, you know, you're, you're kind of good at this. There, you know, there's, I see something there. You're kind of good at this. Um, in other words, if, if that's not your gift, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll feel like, well, no, this is not working at all. And I, I, I just, it's not, nothing, it's just not right. It's not the right fit. And, th- and that fits into the number four thing here is the church will give you some positive feedback. This is so important. Um, I've known people in my own life who felt like they had a particular gift and they've exercised that gift for a number of years and, and all the feedback they've ever gotten is, uh, we don't really think that's your gift. <laughs> you know, we, you know you're, yeah, maybe you should try something else for a while. Um, and yet they, you know, yet they persisted. <laughs> and there's something super practical about this. In other words, if God has gifted you, it's for the building up of the body of Christ. There's got to be some building going on. And if there's no building going on, uh, then that's probably not your giftedness. So again, very practical. God will give you a desire. Paul even talks about people who desire to be an elder. You, you desire a good thing. That's a good thing. Why don't, why don't we pursue that? Why don't we think about that together? And then God will give you an opportunity to serve. Look for opportunities. The church has many, many opportunities. The wider kingdom of Christ has many opportunities to serve. Serve. And in that process of serving, you will discover your gift. And if you're gifted in that area, I know it's a little redundant, but you're going to have some sort of giftedness. You're going to be kind of good at that. And you'll have some feedback like, I, yeah, I sense that maybe this is something God wants me to do. And then finally, look for some positive feedback or even ask for feedback from people you trust Do you think that this is actually uh, a gift of mine?
So I just want to close with this. this. Uh, I started with this. I close with this. It is a, a command. Do not be slothful in zeal. I've, I've used the metaphor of a, a lazy boy chair. You know, the grace that God has given you is not a big lazy boy chair that you just sit there. I'm saved. Hallelujah. You know, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we believe in salvation and we believe that you could say, I'm saved. But Christ has given you a gift to serve. Serve the Lord. He, it's not slothful. You know, you're, you're zealous. You have, you're fervent in spirit. Uh, and you serve it like a servant an owned servant to your master, the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your kind grace to us. Lord, we pray that you would encourage each and every one of us to to, um, confront this beautiful, gracious reality that you've given us a gift to be used to to build up, to edify the body of Christ. Each and every one of us, to each one, oh Lord, please confront us with that. And Lord, forgive us for being slothful in zeal and not fervent in spirit and serving ourselves more than serving you. We want to be used by you for your glory. So thank you, Lord. I pray that you would be honored and glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.